Okay, so today on the Plant Cutting Podcast, we have Ola Obesi. And I first met Ola, well, actually, I didn't meet her, but I became aware of Ola back in Pittsburgh when I lived in Pittsburgh. And a lot of my friends either like were a client of hers or uh, studied with her. Um, and so, and she, Ola, you're actually the first person, the first like clinical herbalist that I became aware of who was actually like practicing, you know? Okay. I read like books, uh, but you're the first like real clinical herbalist. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was aware of Seven Song too, but you, yeah, you too. Um, But so that's how I first became aware of you. Since you've moved to Puerto Rico and you're doing some amazing work down there. Um, But to to get started, uh, what, what brought you to the plant path? Yeah. Wow. The plant path has been my entire life. Um, So I'm in my forties now. And so, um, double, uh, single digit years, you know, uh, seven to nine, I was around nine years old when I really recognized, um, the importance of plant, the plant world, uh, through my family. Um, my family on my mother's side is Kenyan. So I grew up in Kenya, uh, East Africa. And uh, my great uncle was a herbalist. His name was Oluwaya. And he, we had a lot of malaria. We have a lot of malaria in Africa period. So um, a lot of our remedies were addressing uh, malaria or uh, we also have a lot of parasite issues, you know, whether it's skin or stomach related. So those are the founding herbs that I learned as a, as a child. Um, but it was really just the amazement and the fascination of watching Oluwaya gar- gather and harvest herbs um, and just watching him with a machete, with a um, cutlass to just cut. And he was working with a eucalyptus uh, tree at the time and just fascinated with what is he doing, you know? Um, it was the first time that I actually really recognized that there were people who were doing that. I mean, that was always happening, but it was it was just, you know, for some reason, spiritual reason, that was the day that I had to enter into the awareness and consciousness of, um, of the plant world. So that's what brought me on the plant path, really. Um, it's my ancestry, my, my people. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what, what brought you to to the U.S. and um, to study the herbalism in like the in the clinical way? I guess. Yes, yes. Well, you know how it is, right? Okay, so you know I'm African, person of color, indigenous, and uh, we really got our independence from Britain in 1963 in Kenya. I mean, most most African countries got their independence in the early early to mid 60s which is not that long ago. Um, just imagine your parents, right? You know? And so, um, you know, our indigenous ways were interrupted, have been interrupted, uh, you know, and, uh, but there's also a lot of preservation because obviously thousands and thousands of years people have been, have been living a certain way. Um, so, going to the US or going to England or going out abroad for us was a big deal because of that colonial aspect that achieving to be like those who colonize us is, is a better achievement than achieving what we already have developed for thousands of years within our own communities. So I was sent, you know, I went to a British boarding school. So, you know, being getting trained, um, when I was out of school is when I spent time with my family in the village and, and many other places too. I've moved around a lot as a child, uh, stayed with aunts and uncles in different places, uh, including Tanzania, Uganda, other places. And, um, you know, uh, eventually when I finished, I, I, I went, I had actually a scholarship to go to Ireland, but uh, my parents didn't want me to be an artist. I had an art scholarship. So I, I, uh, my father wrote my application for Ohio State University and filled it up for pharmacy. This was without me knowing. Um, so I was going to be a pharmacist. I had to be a pharmacist. I was going to Ohio State to be a pharmacist. I was 16. I graduated very young. 
and uh, you know, pharmacy wasn't for me. I, I, I actually at that time was super in touch enough to understand those lectures that didn't mean enough to me. So anyway, keep on going with life, keep on going with life. I had children very young. I finished school very young, so I had children very young. And I used to use herbs to work with my children. And everybody in the community would ask me about herbs, you know? And I'm like, yeah, just use this, this, this. And I would use them for my, I had home births. So I'd have, you know, all these herbs I'd use after my births and prepare for my births. And people are just so fascinated. My midwife was fascinated. And, um, and then I was like, you know what? I, I think I need to study this. And to feel, speak of validation, even just like, it's nice to have the knowledge from your indigenous background, but it's not seen as anything heavy in the world. When you have these letters after your name, doctor, you know, masters of science and all these certificates is when the superficial world recognizes you. So in a way that was my reason for going to uh, clinical herbalism school was to, to be a high achiever, to kind of make my parents proud, but also to have the, the double education um, of you know the clinical way which kind of like assists with the western conventional integration and then of course i have my background as an indigenous uh, medicine person yeah <laughs> and and now you live in puerto rico right yes now i live in puerto rico and i moved here five years ago but i've been coming five six years prior um, and I, I met, uh, through an indigenous man in, in Pittsburgh, actually, uh, Taino from Cuba. Miguel Sagay. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Uh, through Miguel Sagay at that time, um, he, I was coming to Puerto Rico and he was like, please go greet my friend in a place called Hajuja. And so I went, I made my way up the mountain, got there sent the message and this woman looked and I looked at each other. We look nothing alike, She's like round and short. I'm not that tall, but I'm not round. Mm -hmm. You know, she's got green eyes. She's very fair. And we looked at each other and we were like, oh, you were like my daughter in a past life. I was like, I know, I see, I see, the, you know, it was just this surreal. I feel like I'm lying, you know, when I retell the story type of situation. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was joyful and we've never been able to separate wow <laughs> <laughs> amazing i went home with her the next day yeah and you're like this is home it's a stranger's home you know like yeah. what do you think? but i did i couldn't separate from her we didn't separate we couldn't separate and then when i went back to pittsburgh i just phone calls every day it's like lovers you know we just <laughs> separate <laughs> amazing yeah so it diverted my whole trip to go back to africa and i was like i'm going to puerto rico okay <laughs> you you found you came home i came Your home I yeah came home. <laughs> so like a mother uh, of a past life you know yeah. and and she i needed her i needed her Aww. i mean you know, there's a lot of things that happened with our parents right and so there are parts of her mothering to me that filled that my my own birth mother wasn't able to do. Hmm. That's so special. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And so what do you do now on the day-to-day -day as an herbalist or teacher? Like what yeah. are you up to? I mean, I'm always a teacher herbalist, even when I'm sleeping and snoring in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, uh, uh, in seriousness, uh, day to day, my day pretty much is occupied. I mean, I think I'm a 12 hour working person. I mean, with breaks, of course, and a lot of flexibility, a lot of work at home. Um, I do have a shop. I'm closed for this month just via appointment because I'm working on renovating, uh, you know, just painting, simple renovations, just painting and redesigning the space because I'm shifting it to a tea shop um, slash apothecary and everything else that it is. Um, but my day-to-day -day is basically yeah, working with the school, working on uh, the coursework, teaching classes, uh, local and online students, 
um, seeing clients. Um, you know, I have select days where I see clients and do that. And then I'm also part of the Taino community here because my mother, my godmother adopted me. And so I am adopted Taino myself. Yeah. So I have lots of work to do in the community. And what is your school? My school is Well of Indigenous Wisdom School. Excellent. And so people can um, find it online if they're interested in learning more? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, just go online, wellofindigenouswisdom.com. Yes, without the school. Okay. So wellofindigenouswisdom.com. Excellent. Yeah. And... Um, I'm also curious, like you spoke to your day-to-day -day now, I'm wondering what has changed for you over the last decade or two um, as, you know, an herbalist and in your travels, like what has changed and what has stayed the same? Yeah, um, well, what has stayed the same is that I never want to leave the path of healing and herbalism. I've always been that way since seven, nine years old. Um, so that's just become more and more firm and more and more, um, of course, mature, right? You know, because I'm not seven now, I'm, you know, a different age. Um, and what has changed is I've traveled a lot. I've gone, I, I really love, I, you know, even though I'm African and I love Africa, and there are various personal family issues, you know, uh, quarrels over land and property and uh, seriously not very good things have happened to me when I've tried to move back to Africa. So I always took, I took that uh, with sadness initially and anger, um, but then I and eventually realized that I'm not meant to move back, at least not now, um, because of all these events that have been happening with my family and just other personal things. Um, but I really love Latin America and the Caribbean. I love it. I love it. I've been to Brazil and Mexico and um, uh, where else have I? Ecuador. I, I just love uh, this area of the world. And in these travels around these areas, I've come to connect with a spirituality in a deeper way. Um, so you know, my path as a herbalist has become more and more spiritual. And it then took me back home to Africa to my father's people. My father's people are Nigerian. And we have a very strong culture that's preserved even despite of colonialism. And um, then I received a lot of initiations there and um, I follow the path of um, indigenous spiritual practice um, from, from my father's people. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 So, so how, how has uh, your practice of herbalism and uh, herbalism like changed depending on what environment that you're in, like whether you're in Africa or Latin America or the yeah, Midwest? Mm -hmm. Well, the herbs are different. Yeah. So, you know, I'm the type of herbalist that doesn't force, because to me that it would be It's another form of colonization importing herbs that don't grow in the land or, you know, what's that, right? You need to, part of being a herbalist is knowing which land, who, whose land you're on and what land you're on and connecting with the earth, connecting with the soil, the plants there. Um, it's not importing things, you know? And granted, I do miss a lot of herbs, let's say from North America, because my clinical studies were, you know, heavily Western medicine, um, Western herbal medicine, yeah? and um and fascinating herbs and even even the word western i teach in my school like even the word western herbal medicine doesn't mean much because you might think western herbal medicine is european based but it's actually not it there's a lot of native american herbs in that right obviously i mean the united states is was you know indigenously native american land um so the herbs there are from there right and so what, what it, for me, you know, herbalism is about that connection with the plants, with the people, the people, and understanding the kinds of illnesses that show up because every land has its own illness, because every land has its own illness through social, economic, political, 
um, reasons, right? Let's say anxiety here. Anxiety is huge, right? It's anxiety because hurricanes, right? You're an island, vulnerable. Um, anxiety because it's still a territory of the U.S. So it's like they might come and buy all our land and like I haven't got myself together. Um, I don't have the opportunities. I feel inferior. Like there's these are the underlying currents of physical illness and disease. So that's why to be a herbalist is not just about plant medicine and okay, bye, take the thing you and anxiety, good. There's also some counsel. There's also some deeper understanding of really what's the root of these conditions. And for me, I'm very interested in exploring those and I've made an effort to. So uh, my practice as a clinical herbalist is, for me, clinician is part of community herbalism. It's, clinician means, you know, custom making, um, not paper, you know, not everyone is paper cut, cookie cutter, you know, the same when they come in, giving everyone the opportunity to voice their uniqueness and their uniqueness of how they came to that illness, even if the illness is the same as the other person, but everyone's roots to it is, is different. So yeah. I've got to inquire and heal that, right? Work with that. And it could even take herbs to get to the process of working with it. Yeah, totally. Getting to the root is, is such a, a main difference I feel like um, between like an herbalist and like a traditional Western medicine uh, doctor, you know, yeah. and yeah. it takes effort and time and skill and patience, you know. Well, it also seems like the spirituality is an important part of that too, because yeah. oftentimes the root problem is a, is a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, so in, in my school, for instance, um, you cannot be a herbalist, clinical herbalist for me. This is, you know, the way I run the school. Um, it's a dishonor and a disservice to people to work as a clinician, as a healer, when you're not able to address your own healing not able to see it. I'm not saying fully healed, I'm healed, yay, because we all have, there might even be parts of us that will never get healed, right? Like to the fullness. But being aware and working with them and using the tools that we have is important. And um, yes, conventional medicine sort of hides that, you know, it's put bandages it with pharmaceuticals, trying to resolve superficial illnesses it is superficial and and, and it, it does have its benefit because of course you know you break your leg that's where you go right <laughs> you don't go to the herbalist you can maybe go to the herbalist to recover from the injury but you know broken like literal broken bone go to the emergency room mm -hmm. um so yeah the the clinical herbalist is is a community herbalist because you are taking care of the community you know, 90% of the time. We don't have an emergency 90% of the time. We have emergencies 10% of the time, you know, or, you know, I'm just trying to give like a ratio, you know, like a type of number to it. So it's an important practice, but it also, we need to be prepared and it takes a while. Students, you know, I always tell them, don't rush through this, yeah? Take, take your four years, take time. It takes time to build and no apprenticeship takes two weeks, a weekend. That's a lie. You don't be yeah. there over a weekend. No, 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 no. In Africa, for instance, if you're working with your teacher, I mean, you can work and we live a hundred plus years. You could work with that teacher as an apprentice until they die. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not even yet there on that level until they die and they pass it on to you. And they live, we could live over a hundred years. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So yeah. a weekend versus, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. I, even myself, I'm still, a, I'm still a student. I'm still learning because that it takes time. Yeah, totally. So um, you, you mentioned the initiations into your father's uh, Nigerian. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So is that, 
speaking as the herbalist has to be healing their self and a lot of the problems are ultimately spiritual um do do those sorts of things help you be able to help people or do they help people like directly you know what i mean like um the spiritual practices the spiritual practices yeah and like initiating is that more about like healing yourself or does that also um like uh, allow you to heal people more directly mm. those tra- traditions well do you know that i well my father was he was a really he was a man who gave to the world but he wasn't a man who gave to his family oh, oh yeah so the world was his family right he got a lot of high from that um he was a scientist he was really brilliant um so for him that was important and we all all of his children us all suffered from that and so when he passed away um his brother who was a very much younger because my father was so much older my my grandma had him when she, he was about she was about 15 14 15 years old and his father passed away when he was 7 so he he had a lot of struggles and my grandma you know had children up till again this is an african thing we have children in our 50s 40s 50s we're we're not saying all oh, we're done we're you know whatever if it happens it happens and so some of his siblings are from my grandma who had children in 40s right and he was born when she was 15 see what i'm saying so he was like a father to his siblings and so i think that's where his desire to not father came from because he was already fathering these kids and um, Anyhow, we suffered, we, his children suffered a lot. I still have my own suffers, you know, yearnings for my father being more um, closer, more at home than outside. But I'm proud of him that he was able to do what he felt he needed to do. With that said, when he passed away, my uncle, who was was one of the younger siblings, uh, called me home and said, you need to come home. You need to come home. Don't be mad at your father. Come home and we need to bless you. You know, and that began the journey. Um, so it was for myself. And you know what? It, it, it did help me to become a better herbalist, a better healer um, because I was more grounded, right? Um, I think a lot of clinical herbalists don't continue clinical herbalism because of these kind of things, your own personal issues. That's why I keep saying, we have to do our own inner healing to be healers, to be herbalists, to hold space. Someone will share a story. And then many times I've had clients share stories and they've, they hit home, they hit like spaces where I'm like, oh, that's a lot like my story, right? <laughs> but I, you know, this is not my consult. So having to keep that, if I hadn't dealt with my own or not dealing with my own healing, then that changes the way I am as a practitioner and holding space for my clients, right? So um, the initiation was able to initiate me into a different level of olat umbo as a herbalist and as a healer. And it made me stronger and makes me stronger till today. Mm. This way, it also gives me tools you know so it's both i'm answering both your questions as yes for both sides because it also gives me tools to help uh, my clients of course not pushing them to be you know african spiritualists but um looking for the uh, the overarching language which is universal that that specific way um speaks of so all indigenous people, I don't care if you're from Ireland or Australia or where you are from, we all are, when we meet, we are all on the same page. It's all about nature. Yeah. So that's where I can come to and translate my own African way to anybody, you know, whoever you are. Um, just a yeah question about your students actually and your your school like how do you how do you encourage your students to do that own spiritual work like and to look at their you know own traumas and shadows and things like that like do you have tools that you can offer to beginning herbalists here it's not easy 
because people are so complicated <laughs> and scared. People are scared, complicated, confused. You know, this is not a judgment, it's just an observation, you know? And, and it's fine. Um, it's difficult to work with. Um, so having to give people tools and, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest mm, healing, the biggest remedy medicine for people is actually time and space. And uh, when you just keep going and going and going and doing the same thing and not allowing for yourself to have a moment to just quiet and reflect and let in, empty yourself and just allow, allow spirit to come in. Those are the ideas, you know? Have you ever thought about this? I, I, I used to do this when I was a child. I used to think about it like, where are my thoughts coming from? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like this tube with thoughts coming into my body. It's just out there, ethereal, right? And we come up with solutions in those moments of silence when we empty, right? All the thoughts, worries, conversation. We just empty. And then we like, oh, got it. So if we can practice more of that, we will be a lot better people. We, you know, and I, I think the Buddhists and the Hindus have it correct with all the chanting, which we do a, a similar thing anyway, um, meditation, you know, which is silencing and practicing that. All that is really, those are really good tools. So these are the kind of things that I, I expose to my students. Um, I have readings, books that I recommend. And so those two books written by two indigenous people, one from Africa and one from North, the Lakota people. So in those books, there are practices. So my students need to practice those practices. Um, one is called um, My Body, My Earth, which is a practice of somatic archeology. span So having to dig in and find you know, bones, fossils, <laughs> memories, and then excavate them and, and, you know, how to work with what you're excavating, letting it go so you can move on. Yeah. So uh, that's what I expose to my students in a nutshell. And then, of course, they're able to access me and talk to me. And uh, my daughter is a very good uh, astrologer. We we do astrology really? together, yeah. and I've given her that, you know. So she's really great, and so she also helps with 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 the whole picture. Yeah. I didn't know you're into astrology too. That's I'm getting really obsessed. With, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, for a while. So you got to think about it. You know, I'm from Kenya, so Kenya is right by the Indian Ocean. I have to explain this all the time to people because people don't remember. You know, in, in here in the in the Americas, people's minds like Africa and the rest of the world is just so you, you can't really understand it, right? And it is, it's very different, right? Asia is different, Africa is very different. Anyhow, Kenya is by the Indian Ocean. So India is not far away from Kenya. And Egypt is not far away either. And a lot of our ancestors come from Egypt. So a lot of Egyptian Indian things, what has been brought into the Western world are actually what we do but we just have an oral tradition and no books and people who've written about us and yeah. gone out there. So you don't know, but mm -hmm. actually that's a very, we do similar, very similar things. We just have, don't speak Hindu. We speak our own language. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I have to explain that a lot to, to people. Yeah. So astrology is, is mathematics is sacred. Mathematics is very important in our traditional indigenous ways. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> It's great to have all these tools in our toolkits. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, whatever, whatever our creator has gifted us to, to use to help us along our path of life, mm. um, we need to use them to be happier. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And, and thank you for that advice and for the, the reminder to take space for ourselves to like process and to digest our experiences and, you know, to not just go, go, go. And sort of leave the healing work for later, you know? And yeah. when things come up, like really look at them. Yes. Um, that's that's advice that I definitely need to hear and I think can benefit all of us, so. 
it's such an indigenous way um, to go through rites of passages. And rites of passages are not easy, right? It's, it's the meeting the lion, it's meeting the bear, you know, you go out by yourself. It's those stories that you hear from indigenous lands all over the world, you know, so-and-so reached his age, adolescence, and now, you know, he had to go out and he wasn't, you know, and he met the, the you know, the jaguar, the bear. It's usually something like really, right? And that's what we do. Yeah. In our silence, we're meeting the jaguar, the bear, the lion, and we have to face it. And if we run away from it, we don't get through, just like the stories, you know, they always end stories of how victory over, over the bear, you know, and or the jaguar or the lion. So it's the same thing. We have to sit in our silence, be in that solitude, give ourselves that time um, of separation for ourselves and uh, meet, meet the scary things so that we can overcome them and be better family members to all human family members, relations. For sure. And this brings me to another question I had about adaptability. You know, yeah. you're someone who has been able to travel to these different places and understand the different lands and the plants there and the peoples and the, the problems as you were talking about before of each land. Mm -hmm. And it's so important these times to be able to just be adaptable so that we literally survive. So how do you recommend or how do you yourself um, go with the flows of life and what can you, you know, yeah. share with us? Well, you know, in this time of climate change, um, which, you know, I have my own view of climate change because mm -hmm. um, the, the word is limiting to me. Um, I, I really do believe that nothing stays the same. So climate change for me is a transformational time. Um, there is irresponsibility that we as human beings and doings are doing to the planet. And, we, and so this transformation time is holding us accountable for our irresponsibilities, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's how I see it more than like climate change, you know, because even yeah, in like, that, there's the capitalistic, climate. huh? It's like, don't blame like the climate or uh -huh. the earth. Right. It's like, right. And that to me, is, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, totally. And there, and there is a lot of capitalistic opportunities on, on that climate change, by the way. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Right. And I, I even bought, I even bought into it. <laughs> Let's say recycle, uh, recycle bags, right? which are made out of plastic bottles. Hmm. When you're done with the bag and it's torn, it's still plastic, like little threads of plastic. It's worse than plastic bottle. It is. It goes in the floats in the water and those little threads are goes through the animals. So is that really a climate change save the environment cause, right? I just got bought, I just got bought by the capitalist. That <laughs> I got, yep. <laughs> yeah, so so anyway, with that said, there's so many things, right? So with that said, I'm like not really, I'm like, let me wait, moment of silence. Let me think about this climate change. What would my ancestors say? So it, it is a time of transformation. Our planet has transformed many times, several times, right? Yeah. 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 And we should transform. I think we should where our consciousness is rising, even diseases like COVID help us to become we're different from prior to COVID. So we have to see the good opportunities of what's happening and use leap into them, not fight against them and try to keep things the way they were. That's what causes problems. So um, as far as adoption, you know, even being adopted Taino, for instance, here, right? A lot of people, there are some people who don't like it because I'm black, you know, there are some, and not, Puerto Ricans are black too, but you know, I'm not from Puerto Rico. I'm uh, not Boricua originally. Um, some people are intimidated. Um, they don't know what to do with that because I have a different energy. Um, but then I learned even in adoption, it's adoption to me is like, is like, oh, wow, you have like another family you can always go to. If that family's not working out, you just go to this one. You know, it's, that's how, how it, it feels for me. 
and it's also learning exchanging you know like look this is what i bring from another land and we could do this differently we don't have to do it this way and we can you bring your ideas and i bring mine and look we have something real good right so that to me is what adoption means and that's what i'm saying the climate change is an opportunity um when it comes to plants uh really adapting to different the plants of of the land you're on is really really important and how do you enter the doorway is you've got to again go into the silence and sit with the plants respectfully ask people who know about the plants respectfully right um because there are a lot of elders who will just tell you how to use things that's part of adoption going humbly to other people who know who've been on the land for a long time to help pass down that information especially if they're elders because you know that you probably will be an elder and they won't be there anymore and you can pass on that information to me that's adoption that's what adoption is about so uh i don't know i hope that answers you know speaks to your to your question uh oh and i do have this to say uh there are some plants i'm growing and that thrive here because it's the tropics like the tropics in, Ken in kenya um, and moringa, which is a really popular plant now, grows here. And I planted a couple of moringa trees. And it's so hot here. It gets to like 101 degrees Fahrenheit. And moringa, all the plants that are from Africa, <clears throat> excuse me, moringa, neem, okay. Um, I have some papayas. I have a plant I smuggled in from Nigeria, um, eucalyptus. These all are thriving in this hot, hot sun. Yeah. Mm. And they're also known as famine foods, famine plants. So adoption, if we're talking about climate change and areas that are going to get really hot, means that we need to plant plants that can, can thrive in those climates. Yes. Yeah. Big time. That's one of the reasons I'm, I'm planting like persimmons and pawpaws and a lot of plants from Southern Appalachia that yes. are just hardy here. Yes, just barely, but, yeah, but just enough, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, have to, we have to shift that. We have to shift it. Yeah. Yeah, that's come up a lot in our conversations on the podcast of <clears throat> people uh, noticing different changes and then the solutions that they're coming up with and the plants that they're putting in that will adapt to higher winds or higher temperatures or... Uh, or cooler Hot temperatures, yeah. cooler, drier areas. Mm -hmm. It's moringa. It doesn't need water, and it provides all these leaves. And you know that moringa, the whole plant is medicine, yeah, and the yeah. leaves can be eaten like spinach. You know, it's uh -huh. in Kenya. That's how we use it. Mm -hmm. So I've got food there always, full minerals. You know, yeah. <laughs> and so not to struggle with watering kale. <laughs> Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So, like, the key is to not hold on and and like fight for the past and like what what your yeah. mind you know wants to hold on to, but yes. just like use the, the see the the possibilities mm -hmm. and and adjust and adjust <laughs> yeah. because we're in this path. We're in a we're in a very you know when we think about it, think about it. We're on a planet. You're not the only, me and you are not the only people on this planet, even though right now we think we're just us right now. We have an entire thing going on in different countries, plants, animals, you know, everything, so many bacteria, so much going on around us. And we're just some little people on Zoom right now, talking amongst millions and billions, yeah. you know? So yes, we need to hop on and just adjust, just adjust, not fight it. And it speaks to how people behave, like in the US, you know, with the social issues, let's say even racial. If look at look at look at people who are trying to keep it back, see what type of trouble it's causing. Just adjust. It makes life so much easier. We all get along. Right. What you resist persists. Yeah. When you resist, persists. Mm -hmm. So hearing you talk about some of the plants that are, you know, growing around you, I'm curious, like, what are some of the plants that um, you're really holding close right now? Oh, I'm definitely holding close to my bitter leaf. That's the nice. one from my 
Nigeria. Grows like a big tree. I'm looking at it right here. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have it right in the front of my house. It's huge now, but oh. it's a protector. Mm. Um, I have rue. My rule, I really like my rule. You know what is really volunteering itself on the land here is holy basil. Holy basil is another very resilient plant. And it grows like a big shrub. And I actually have one volunteered right in front of my house um, as, a, as a little tree, a little shrubby little tree. And it's, it's uh, it, you know, they say that holy basil, it is said in Hindu texts, that it's a spiritual plant and you know if it volunteers outside your house that's a really good thing which it has oh i love that yeah <laughs> um i have eucalyptus as i mentioned i have neem i have um a lot of succulents i have a lot of aloe vera mm. i have um mother-in-law's tongue which is a pretty it's used as, a lot as a as a house plant in the north but here we use it as medicine Mm -hmm. I have um, what's called um, everlasting life. I mean, it has many names, never die, everlasting life, um, or life leaf. And it, that is called Kalanchoe. Um, that's its botanical name. Uh, and there are two types. But anyway, I have both types here. Um, that's very good for cancer and very good for abnormal cell growth. So okay. it could be benign or malignant. I have a lot of oregano, which is pretty succulent as well, but broadleaf oregano. Oh, not. yeah. So that's very, very, we call it oregano brujo here, which mm -hmm. is the, you know, the oregano, that's the wizard, right? The great mm -hmm. wizard. I have two types, green, full green leaf, and I have green leaf with white, um, white uh, bound, boundary, how do you call it? Uh, yeah. Order. 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 Uh, yeah. Order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have planted plantains as far as food, um, lots of bananas that volunteer themselves here. Bananas grow children, so they do their underground communication and network. Uh -huh. um, I have lots of papayas, and I have uh, African tulsi. Nice. Yeah. Another famine plant. It is thriving. It's like dry and hot. Yay! <laughs> growing it's it's like i'm in africa again sahara desert yes it's it's really like growing out there and it's great so powerful it's kind of like holy basil but it's on a, a, a different level in that it's really strong medicine for stomach aches or headaches you know it really moves energy out i have um white sage um mugwort mm. the one yeah so i have a few Whoa. things rosemary ginger a turmeric. i have a lot of things going on over here <laughs> i have tobacco <laughs> nice <laughs> wow yeah that's a, that's a nice garden yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i have puerto rican tobacco so that's oh, awesome I, I'm, I'm curious if there are any plants that you miss from like north america from like pittsburgh yeah i do and when i go back to pittsburgh i'm always excited and you know this last time i was in pittsburgh i stopped with my daughter on the roadside <clears throat> because Queen's Annie's lace and mugwort were all up, you know, waving on the roads. And I was like, you guys, how can you just, I, how can I just pass these plants? So I stopped. Like, hey. And we got out of the car and I already had a plan. I had my bag and scissors and people kept stopping. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Are you all right? Do you need help? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm just a herbalist. We crazy people. We like cutting plants along the roadside. Oh, really? What's that? You know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, whatever. I was like, okay, yes, don't worry. We good. We good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I came back with a lot of mugwort. I love mugwort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love mugwort. Me too. <laughs> I love it. I brought back some mugwort um i love uh golden um goldenrod yeah which will come up later it's probably now september between now and september I, I just starting to like think about it right yeah now. yeah i love uh i just love everything i <laughs> <laughs> love all the plants i brought back sumac oh um, nice yeah, yeah sumac yeah i missed sumac so i was like oh let's get that you know i smuggled it back with me Nice. Um, let's see. And I do miss, you know what I miss? I miss 
picking the dandelion flowers in the spring. Yeah. Oh. I miss yeah. picking the crocuses, the, mm -hmm. the crocus threads. I do miss yeah. I do miss that first spring, those first spring plants. I think I love first spring plants more than anything. Yeah. yeah. I think it's because I don't like winter. Yeah. So when I saw the plants, I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. It's warming up again. Yeah. Um, sorrel and uh, blue violet, the violets. I miss those, the beautiful colors of the low-lying herds. Yeah. yeah. We have a really deep, long winter here, and I definitely relate to that feeling of those first spring flowers. And I had a friend who was like texting me pictures of her spring flowers that were coming up in California, like two months before I was going to get any spring flowers. And I was like, can you just like stop? <laughs> like, yes. Wait, yes. give me one more month because this is actually depressing me because there's three feet of snow outside. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that, that spring for me is so exciting. Yeah. You know, and in the traditional Chinese medicine wheel, you know, the, the sound for spring is excitement. It's that teenage uh -huh. person, you know, that adolescent who's just like, yeah, woo, -woo. <laughs> woo. I think I stick there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Are, so are there like uh, different seasons down, down there? I mean, like what I like about the North is, you know, the, you have like distinct seasons, mm -hmm. you know, and like the, the spring is so wonderful because the winter is well, long. Winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's winter, you know, <laughs> but well, you know, the tropics has its own seasons too. Yeah. yeah. Like rainy season, drier season. Rain, yeah. It's, it's the four seasons. It's the, it's wet, dry, hot and cold. Okay. Okay. Cool. But it's not winter cold. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'd be dressed like this in the cold season. <laughs> right. But you can feel the earth cooler, like yeah. the not rising. It's there's a different energy, and then different plants flower. Okay. Yeah. So here, I find most of my plants here flower, be in the cold, cold, dry season. I would say. Um, so you know, and one entering the other. But that would be around November, December, January, February. That's when a lot of plants flower. Mm. So that's the time to come visit you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's like very oh Yes, yes, yeah. That's hot. Don't come here now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love it, but you know. Right, yeah. yeah we just no. had we had 90 uh like two days ago, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was about a hundred hundred percent humidity. Oh wow! Yeah, you couldn't breathe, right? <laughs> I was useless. I like literally just couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's too humid. But for me, I like that. You know, I I like the humidity. I like I like all that. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up with that, so it's a little, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we have time for one more question. Um. So, what was the question? Oh, um. Yeah, so I was thinking about, you know, during the pandemic and these times, I've noticed that so many herbalists are kind of uh, focusing on the scientific validation and they're aligning themselves so strongly with like the Western medical practice. And I'm curious to see how you, um, who's, you know, you as a spiritual herbalist, um, your take on how we can balance the spiritual side and the clinical and the, the scientific validation side. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I think that a lot of herbalists who don't have a spiritual practice, um, may lean heavy, heavier. I'm not saying people who are spiritual won't like get a vaccine or be interested in the, conventional medicine way um but you know when you're spiritual when you have a spiritual practice you have a very strong belief in spirit and and a strong faith in your spirituality which also is a strong faith in your herbal practice in your herbs in the plants um and you know everyone has their own reason for doing things and i don't you know, want to criticize anyone for making the choices that they want to make, you know, people are free to do what they want to do. However, for me, my perspective is if, you know, I don't like having, even though I'm a doctor, Taino here, I'm all, I'm, 
I am an African woman. And when I'm in Taino ceremony, when I'm in Taino, Taino circle, I am in, I am Taino, uh, an African in Taino, right? I'm not putting one foot in the other and another foot in the other. I'm committed to that one where I'm not gonna go to a ceremony, a Taino ceremony and start singing African songs. However, if we, in the same way, for, for me, um, herbalism is that way. If you are a clinical herbalist, you're a herbalist, then you stay committed to herbalism, right? Um, it's not, you know, herbalist only when it's suitable and then, oh, we have an emergency and, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I can't use those herbs. But you wrote books and you taught about herbs that you can use in those situations. So what's going on with that, right? So what happened to the belief? Like spirituality is also belief and faith, as yeah. I already mentioned. So that really gets me to have like question marks um, about like what type of herbal practice one has, you know, and what, how much really faith do you have in your plant medicine then? Um, here, you know, <laughs> I, I have used herbs for lots of things. I don't know if I can say them here because I'm not trying to be like a red flag in the, in the internet, but right. I've used herbs for a lot of things and they have worked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So have, having faith in the herbs is. I mean, practice what you preach. Yeah. What's the point of doing all the research and teaching all the students and, you know, having this and that, and you, then when something shows up, you, you don't use your plants. What's mm -hmm. that? I don't understand that. I still don't understand that. It doesn't connect for me. Right. Like full, full in, you're fully in or you're fully out, you know, choose one. Don't choose it because then are you using the herbs just to make money? Are you using herbalism just to be famous or, to, yeah. you know, then that's not sincere. That's yeah. not, for me, that's not what it's about. I'm not trying to be famous or be, you know, make money. It's in my path. Of course, I make money with this, but that's not all that I'm interested in. It's not the priority list. For me, it's being committed to a herbal path since I was a little child. You know, this is a serious thing for me and they work and it does work and it should work if you believe in it. Yeah, sure. I think that's, that's really something that, you know, people need to hear. Um, I mean, because we see it a lot, you know, in, in, in North America at least. Um, but there's, there also is like, like, for instance, you said like, if you bre break your bone, you know, maybe you should go to the ER, you of know, course. You have like an acute, like emergency makes sense to go there, but there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that you can heal where <laughs> without, without, yes, without conventional medicine, including vaccinations. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the break the leg is, you know, what, there was a time we had a lot of bone setters, bone setter lineages, right? Yeah. By the way. So actually they use herbs to do the setting bone, but they also use like a form, ancient form of chiropractor. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So well, of course that's missing now right that's not like right. set in the communities as much there are few very few scattered around but they're they're not that many so in that case of course we could even use a bone setter you know that's an option but yeah, yeah i mean you you have an emergency go to the hospital do that but if you're protecting yourself from illness a pandemic an epidemic you know uh, i'm telling you i'm african We've had malaria, I've had malaria yeah. my life and I did not take medicine. Mm -hmm. The herbs yeah. helped me. And I know what it's like to feel like you're dying with malaria. Yeah. Um, and, and many other things. I've had parasites in my, in my skin, in my toes, walking barefoot. I've had, you know, all kinds of things, uh, snake bites, you know. Yeah. And if you're saying you're a herbalist, then let's use the herbs. Yeah. Like, no, no, that, why are you going to the hospital now, right? Yeah. So, use the herbs let's see yeah well let's this is, see yeah this is something I'd, I'd like to talk to some more people about too like it it, it seems obvious that the, the the medical system is not it's, it's failing you know what i mean like we're yes. not going to have antibiotics in 15 years probably it's not going to work bacteria keeps right. on uh, um, evolving so yeah. I, I sometimes I, I question why people are aligning with or, or trying to like 
turn herbalism more to that rather than the opposite because <laughs> you know like it's like it's like you're trying to, to to align yourself with a failing system instead of yeah. instead of adapting and finding the niche that is opening up <laughs> it's kind of like okay you might not understand this but i understand it a little bit more as a person of color okay i'm gonna give that parallel and some of your listeners will probably get this and then we'll get back to that mm-hmm. There are people, black people like myself, who bleach their skin. Okay? Because they think that's more beautiful and they think that whatever they're thinking, something better. They're thinking is something better. But in the long run, you're black, African, you're in the sun, you can get skin cancer from all those creams and whatever you're using, which are toxic to bleach the skin. So it's a similar parallel. You're a herbalist and you're trying to be something because of whatever reason, which I don't understand. I think it's something to do with the background. It may be even like the insecurity, like that black person who bleaches, the insecurity of being black and wanting to be better, which they think lighter is better. So it's an insecurity of, I'm a herbalist, people don't take me seriously, it's not as valid, you know, I can talk like doctors, um, so then that way doctors will accept me, maybe there's even money in it, who knows, you know, because there's money, a lot of money in pharmaceuticals and medical, conventional, so that put, helps them feel like they can position themselves and feel validated. Like we're on equal ground, but it's really fake. And any and any moment, just like the, the bleach person, you can still receive racism. You can still receive, you're still a herbalist. You will still always have the inferior complex inside. So why not just chuck that out and just be a herbalist and forget about that? 100%. I feel you, yeah. I don't want to be in a complicated, yeah. uncomfortable trying to be in bed with you know, with conventional medicine and they don't even want me in the bed. So yeah. Right. I need to be out and be out there doing my thing. Right. Yeah. hundred well, percent. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, you explained that very well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be- before we go, um, do you have any advice for young herbalists um, getting into, you know, herbalism and uh, community herbalism, clinical herbalism, like actually working with clients? Yeah. Well, I say all young herbalists continue working with the community. Don't lose faith. I had a student who said they're afraid uh, yesterday. Student told me she was afraid to explore other herbs. I'm like, well, you've been receiving training to understand different herbs. So with your training, use it to explore other herbs in your vicinity. Use herbs that are close to you, the ones that grow the most. Those are the ones because you don't want to take more than you should because that's not respecting environment, right? Herbalism has also become that capitalistic way of I can just go click, click, click on Mountain Rose or whatever um, company and just buy sacks and sacks. Why can we not use the herbs that we have outside? There are many medicines out there, just plethora of them waiting to be used for us. So explore those herbs. Don't give up on the community. Help to uplift your community because when the electricity is off and the grid shuts down, as it did here in Hurricane Maria, there were no hospitals available. And guess who was out in the mountains helping people? The herbalists, myself, with lines of people, and it was helping. So you can do the same, prepare your apothecary, prepare your herbs, learn the plants that are going, growing around you and always be you know, available, available to support the community. Don't give up and do your healing work. Don't go around spreading your illness to other people. Do your work so you're a better person for others. That's my, 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 my advice. And <clears throat> last but not least, continue to respect your teachers and your, your honor, honor your teachers, which include your plants and your environment and the animals, um, because 
herbalism is kind of like a martial arts lineage. If you think yeah. about martial arts, your teacher was sensei, blah, blah. And through sensei, blah, blah, I inherited this way, even though it's a little modified, but it's through, through this. And that's how herbalism is. It's mm -hmm. you honor your teachers who are like your ancestors and their spirit helps you to be a stronger herbalist. So you know, make sure that that's in the forefront as well. Mm -hmm. even if they may disagree with you about certain things <laughs> uh -huh, yeah i know but <laughs> they, they may disagree. Right. we're not all gonna agree and i don't it doesn't matter we can still love each other and disagree yes yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been one of my favorite podcasts actually this uh, has been awesome yeah i really enjoyed this oh ah, thank you <laughs> thanks for such great questions yeah right, well, thank you for being on the show yeah. and uh tell folks where they can find more information about you again um wellofindigenouswisdom.com. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. 